0: Are there any good looking
1: broadcast listeners out there tonight? Hello and welcome to episode 144 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob.
0: Hello!
1: Yeah, she's comparatively new to being alive, so that's her name. It's going to stay that way forever. It's a branding issue. I am Soccer Noob, only been following the sport for a few years, but I have been following all the top flight men's leagues and a lot of the women's ones and major international tournaments all over the world, trying to take it in all in one great Big gulp and i'm here to share some of what i've learned with you and do some exploring together We're going to be doing mini match previews just uh three to seven minutes long for each one for the 10 most intriguing paramount matches Anywhere in the world as we define that here in team noob that means you're going to get some big names from some big leagues But we're also willing to go to any small country any tournament if the match is important where it's being played there's a really good chance that it's on our radar and that's how we determine what goes into the show this particular week we are going to be touching on matches from uh, july 14 through 20 we'll take them in chronological order and with no further ado let's jump right in with match number one We start our footy quest on Friday in South America. We're headed to the Primera División of Chile, where their top flight league is ranked number eight of the 10 countries in CONMEBOL, the South American Confederation. What they're vying for down there are Copa Libertadores first. The top teams from each of the leagues around South America will get to go to this. It's their version of the Champions League if you follow the European one at all. So, the top two will get to go to that and start in what is called the event proper, the group stage. One of the teams, the third place one, will have to start in the second qualifying round. A lot of teams have to work their way through one or two. Qualifying rounds. They're just over halfway through the double round robin season where they have 16 teams. A little side note for people who know, may know a little bit about the game but are still learning lots more. A lot of Spanish speaking countries in the Western Hemisphere divide their soccer year into two stages, opening and closing, or apertura y clausura. Chile's is one of the few that does not do that. That's why they are playing a double round robin. Ultimately, they all play roughly the same number of games. Your key matchup this week, what a race they have going on. (laughs) That's what we do here, the reason I picked it. Number one, Cobresol versus uh, current second place, Huachipato. Cobresol lead them by four on goal differential. means they're tied on points, and it comes down to the difference between how many they've scored versus how many they've given up. Now, Huachipato, in turn, lead number three, Universidad de Chile, by three on goal differential. Yes, a very rare three-way tie, essentially, at the top of the table. When they played earlier this season at Huachipato, uh, the home team won 2-1, to one, so Cobrasol are looking to return the favorite today. The series between these two has been fairly even. Huachipato with a slight edge with a 10-5-8 and eight, uh, collective record in recent years. Cobrasol, they have a couple of nicknames, the Miners, and also the Deserts Miracle. This is a club that was named specifically for a local copper mine of the same name, Cobrasol. It is the exclusive industry, basically, in the town of El Salvador. Cobrasol being the name of the mine. It's in the north central part of Chile. Uh, the town used to be much bigger, about thirty-five thousand, but it's down to about seven thousand now. Footy-wise, last year they finished in fifth place. They have only ever won. One title before, so this is rarefied air for them Uh, Back then they did have two stages to the season They won the 2015 Clausura stage Yet they have gotten to go to uh, Conmebol tournaments like the Copa Libertadores Four different times, but they've only won one match Uh, This year they got to play in the secondary Or second best club tournament The Copa Sudamericana, their equivalent of the Europa League but they lost in the very first round. This year in league play, the defense is pretty good. Top three in that regard, but the offense is where they've really been shining. They're tied for best in that regard, getting one and three quarters goal per match, And of course, as I mentioned, they have the best goal differential. Key players to look for. Tied for second best in goalkeeping, at least in terms of clean sheets or pitching a shutout, as you would say in baseball, having done so five times is Leandro Requeña, veteran, 35 years old from Argentina, who played for a club called Nueva Chicago in Argentina's second division, which is home for him. Uh, That only caught my attention because when I first saw Nueva Chicago, I thought maybe it was a, a defunct second or third tier US club, but nope, it really is an Argentinian city. Their MVP on the season has probably been Alejandro Maximiliano Carmargo. He's probably got the coolest name at the very least. This is another veteran in his mid-late 30s and another Argentinian. He plays central midfielder. He's got three goals, and truth be told, he's just a so-so passer, at least for a guy in the central position. But he's a very good dribbler, so he's good at kickstarting the offense, and he's an even better tackler and very good at interceptions and. Clearances, so this is a guy Who is not so much an Attacker as he is a defender Team's current and they are 2-3-0 over the last Five, and the last match They gave up one goal, and that was the first One over that stretch And now, Huachapato We are Team Huachapato here They are known as the Steelers. We covered them just within the last couple of weeks. And what's fun is they have the same logo as the Steelers of the United States American Football League, the NFL. And that's because the American Steel Company had a presence down there. Uh, you might remember that uh, Talcahuano, which is a central port city, uh, unfortunately from recent history, probably known best for the earthquake they had in 2010 and the subsequent tsunami that left 80% of the city's people homeless. And this is not an oversized village uh, like their opponent's home today. They, that's a city that had 150,000 people as of 2012. So it was probably bigger before that. Last year, they weren't even in the top half of the league, only finished in 12th place. They've won two titles. It's been a bit more than a decade since they won the last one, though. And they've only made just two Copa Libertadores appearances. 2015 was the last time they made any international appearance. They fell out of the Copa Sudamericana they mentioned before and just like their opponents today. They did so in the first round. They're pretty well-balanced. Uh, top three offense, top four defense. It's good for through overall, as we discussed. Uh, second best goal differential. So I think that this is a team that should continue to compete for the title, even if they're not quite my favorite. Honestly, my uh, favorite is probably the third place team, but time will tell. Key players to look for. Second best at accurate passes per match at almost 55 each 90 minutes is Claudio Claudio Sepulveda, he plays central midfielder for them. Defensively, uh, big guy, number one in interceptions per 90 minutes. He's the only guy in the league that gets over three, and that is our dear, dear friend, and I call him that because he once saw that we made a comment about him on Twitter that was positive, and he liked our tweet. That's enough to make us team Huachapato around here. That player's uh, name is uh, Benjamin Gonzalo, center back, uh, he's also tied for number one in blocks in the league for 90 minutes as a little bit over one. And he's even done a little bit of national team time, albeit with the, uh, under 23 team. He's been called up, but I should say light on the action. He hasn't made any appearances for them yet. Oh, and we have a special message, uh, from him.
2: Hola, this Benjamin Gazzolo, and you're listening to soccer new rock America.
0: Dad. There's no way that that was Benjamin Galozo. It would have been Ben Ben Benjamin, And that dude has as thick as a Kentucky accent as you can have.
1: Shush. Shush, child. Nobody's going to be the wiser. All right, maybe they will. And your team MVP in all likelihood, uh, my opinion anyway, is Gonzalo Montes. He is a central midfielder from Uruguay, four goals, one assist. He's another guy who's not the greatest passer in the world, but he is a monster tackler, getting uh, 75% of those on his success rate. That is insanely high. Team's current form, they're slipping a little bit, 0-2-2 in their last four, and they just lost a key matchup. Uh, one to two at home versus Universidad de Chile. My favorites to win the league. Match number B. Our second match is the first of our Saturday matches. But before we launch into that mini preview, here's my daughter, Person Noob, with an explanation for what you just heard. Newer listeners, number B.
0: Mm. All right. Um. So as you might have heard, we like to say number B because number two means poop.
1: And we would never talk about poop on this show. It's uncouth. It's uncalled for. No. We're polite society. We don't talk about things like fecal matter, you dirty see, diapers, dropping hot deuces. Is None it, of that.
0: You see, we don't want any accidental correlation with poop and soccer because they really don't have anything in common.
1: No, they do now. Because I was just talking about it a lot, I think. No. <laughs>
0: Just no. Um, so we say number B to not get you confused with poop and soccer.
1: All right. Well, I think that's a noble cause, and we thank you for your efforts. Join us in a revolution and replace that phrase in your lives with number B. Listen to it in action right now. Match number B. Did I get that right? Yeah. All right. Match number B. Saturday match, as I mentioned, from Major League Soccer, our feature match from that league this week. Number one, Cincinnati, taking on number B, Nashville, in the Eastern Conference. For newer fans. Major League Soccer is broken up into two conferences, East and West. I believe uh, each of both of the conference winners and the next best team or two in terms of best records will all get to go to the next CONCACAF Champions Cup which is our version of the European Champions League for all the best teams from North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. Playoff winner will get to go as well, and that's important because the top nine teams from each of the two conferences will get to go to the playoffs. So these two teams are in very, very good shape for that, but believe me, they would like the automatic berth just by having the best conference record at the end of the year. Cincinnati, they currently lead Nashville by seven points. Nashville in turn lead number three New England Revolution by a single point. Series between these two, there have been a lot of draws because Nashville is a pretty defensively oriented team for the most part since they're fairly young. Uh, Cincinnati has accrued a 2-6-1 and one record, slight advantage to them, and Cincinnati won in Nashville when they played earlier this season, 0-1. You can catch this one if you choose, 7.30 Eastern time of the U.S., on Apple TV with Major League Soccer Pass. Cincinnati, last year they finished number five in the Eastern Conference, fell out of the playoffs at the conference semifinal, and that is far and away the best they've ever done since moving up to the league for their first season in 2019. They had been winning uh, what's known as the wooden spoon before that, basically having the worst record in the conference, if not the entire league. Uh, They actually won the USL, the second division in America, in 2018 right before making the big move upward. This year, they're doing it very, very balanced. I thought their offense was a little bit better than this. It's top five, one and two-thirds goals per match. That's a pretty good amount. Defense is top three, only giving up a little bit more than one goal per match. They've got the third-best goal differential. Despite the fact that they are ahead of Nashville by seven, I really think that this is going to be a race down to the very end. I'm not fully convinced that Cincinnati has the offense to hold up and that a losing streak is coming. But I'm not sure that Nashville is a team that can take three points from them on the road. Let's learn a a little bit more about Cincinnati. Uh, One of the big reasons that they are doing so well is they have only had two draws. You, of course, newer fans, get three points for a win. Then you just get one point for a draw and you get no points whatsoever for a loss. So that in place of pure win-loss record. Key players to look for on the offensive side, number three in the entire league in goals plus assists, is Luciano Acosta, Argentinian attacking midfielder. Ten goals, five assists, attacking indeed. He was an all-star list, uh, last year and certainly looking like he will be again this year. On the other end of the field, uh, second best in clean sheets with nine. That is Roman Celentano, 23 years old. I'm still surprised I'm not seeing uh, rumors of a move or at least a contract offer from Europe for him. A lot of those big European teams like to get these guys young and then loan them out back to you know, places like MLS or other countries. Cincinnati's current form, a little bit of a slip now. They're uh, 0-2-1 in their last three. and The defense hasn't been the best. Two Two draws in their last two matches. That's a lot of two, just don't put number in front of it. And now Nashville, who I would have sworn I saw about three weeks ago, had the official nickname of The Music. But now I am seeing the boys in gold because they esteem their very bright yellow outfits and the Coyotes. This is a club that's very new, as I mentioned, founded in just 2016. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the Western Conference. Yes, they had to play in the West to keep things relatively balanced. They went out in the first round of the playoffs. 2021, they finished second best in the East, and that is the best that they have ever done. Uh, This year, defense, that's where their bread's getting buttered once again. Uh, And they've got the number one defense in the East by a lot. They're giving up less than uh, three-quarters of a goal per match on average. The offense, uh, one and a third goals per match. It's a little bit below average, but they've got tied for the number one overall goal differential. They do have one great big giant scorer, and that is Honey Mukhtar from Germany, their center forward. He's got 13 goals already. He was was an all-star last year and I believe won the golden boot for most goals in the entire league, and he's vying for that, obviously, again. He's also second best in assists with seven, making him number one in the goals plus assists combined category in all of MLS. Their goalie is no slouch either. He is number one in save percentage, and that is 34-year-old American veteran Joe Willis, saving nearly four out of every five shots. Team's current form, they're on a bit of a slide as well. 1-0-3 in their last four, and they just lost at woeful Chicago Fire, 0 one.
0: Match number three.
1: We stay in the U.S. for our next Saturday match. We're headed down to the third division of American football, USL League One, where they're halfway through their season. The top six of the 12 teams will make the playoffs. The top two will get by straight to the semifinals. Your key matchup is number B, North Carolina versus number one, Forward Madison. North Carolina currently lead the Flamingos. Yes, that is their mascot by one point. Uh, Forward Madison in turn lead number three, Northern Colorado Hailstorm by one point. So you've got an amazing race going on there as well. But this is the time of show where, for whatever reason, I start to think about all my bills piling up, the mortgage and wanting to put away money for a person to maybe go to college or something like that someday. And I think, how can we make some more money? Oh, yes, by cheating and gambling. And so to do that, to divine a score for us so we know what will happen and exactly how to bet, we talk to our in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old, noob Stradamus, he of the flowing robes and flowing locks of hair and his ability to touch the universal infinite. What have you to say, O oh mighty soothsayer?
2: Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. Tis I, so a divine score from Cary, North Carolina you seek. A lovely area the Piedmont, a plateau of the state interior, but I will not be compelled to return, not for you, noob, nor for anyone. Ah, <clears throat> uh, sorry, dark memories. One thing cures those without fail. The smoke of the lotus leaf. <laughs> <laughs> and once again I travel through space and time. Whee- My mind grows dark, then light once again. I open my eyes to find... <sighs> this is what I feared, Confound it! I'm in what is now Kerry, at its beginning. I'm sitting at a bar in an inn, which is right and righteous of itself. But I know the place, as well as my drinking companion. The owner, John Bradford, thumbs his nose at me with a grin and downs a beer. I spent too many evenings telling him Bradford's Ordinary was a dumb name for an establishment. Then he went and named the whole new community the same thing. I mean, two guys both named Nathaniel Jones owned most of the land. Do something with that. Ugh, I'm leaving this vision. Darkness. And then light again. No! I'm in the same place. A hundred years later tied up and covered in tar. I'd come back a hundred years later to find the local landowner naming it Kerry after politician Samuel Fenton Carey. Of the Sons of Temperance and the celebratory kickoff is to tar and feather the outsider who likes his drinky and loves his lotus leaf. I think that landowner, Alison Frank Page, was just honked that I told him Page's turnout was an even stupider name. No matter. I escaped my fate then and can do now here in the vision world. Not real, not real. Fly away, fly away, fly away, fly away.
1: Match number
2: number
1: four. Okay, now fly back, fly back, fly back, fly back to us. With a score from your vision The whole thing that we have you I sent you the fresca I sent you the you know, Loose bag of expired prescription pills This is the second week in a row Has anybody noticed that it seems like We almost never get an actual score prediction From this guy Alright well we've got more show to get to So let's just do it We're not exactly staying in the United States But we are going to an American territory For Saturday match number 4 Guam's soccer league yeah The American territory all the way out there By Asia there's only three matches Left in their fairly short season and it's Short because they only have six Teams listed in their roster Or table basically only five Of them have actually been participating Uh, Their country's top Flight is tied for dead last in the Asian rankings Uh, the AFC is the Confederation there so they and Five other domestic leagues are all tied For last place nevertheless The winner still gets to go to international Competition if they want and that Is to a secondary tournament called the AFC Cup so While in most confederations the Winners of all the countries get to go to the Champions League and other teams will go To the secondary one they do it a Little bit differently in Asia where The winners of the teams that are Like roughly in the bottom half of the uh, Coefficients if you will or the Rankings They send their teams if they want to the AFC Cup. And I say that way if they want because this league did not have a licensed team to send to the upcoming 2023-24 AFC Cup. I think you've got to have certain probably uh, stadium standards that are met. That's my best guess anyway. And also when I went online, I did not see a slot reserved for Guam necessarily for 2024-25. Nevertheless, I stand by it that they do have the option to send that team. And right now, that team looks like it would be number one, Wings FC. Looking to correct me on that is number B, the visitors today, B-O-G Strikers. And you spell Strikers with a Y in there for some reasons. Wings currently lead them by three, ah, but Strikers have a match in hand. They've played one fewer match. Uh, They lead number three, by the way, Quality Distributors FC, by nine points in the table. So it's very much a two-horse race. Wings have won the other two times that they have played this year, one to three on the road and two to four in another road game. So, in this triple round robin, they finally get to host one. Wings FC, second best offense, defense, and this is a high scoring league at the top. They get over four goals per match. They've got the second best overall goal differential. Team's current form, they have won six straight with an impressive 21 a uh, goal scored to nine against goal differential. And four of those matches were on the road, but uh, I should put on the road in bunny ear quotes, because I'm not sure that they don't all necessarily play in the same stadium. All right. And now your strikers, the B O G in front of their name stands for their sponsor bank of Guam the club was founded in 2005 and they officially list as being from the capital city or more like capital village of, uh, Hagatna, their uh, grounds that they play at are actually in Dededo, which is very nearby, and is actually the largest town on the island, 45,000 people. They've never won the league title or won the FA Cup. They did win, however, I'll mention just for fun, the 2016 Shark Beach Soccer League. I wonder if beach soccer is more popular over there uh, than the, uh, the non- You know, the non-sand kind. I can just see that with a tropical location like Guam. This is the team that actually has the number one offense and defense. They're getting over five goals per match, and their defense is good enough that their goal differential is over twice as good as Wings FC. These are most definitely your favorites, match in hand or not. Team's current form, 2-0-2 2-0-2 in their last four, so just kind of treading water. Uh, but they did just uh, bounce back nicely by beating Shipyard's H-A-Y-A by a mammoth 12-1 to margin. Ouch. Match number five. Onward into Sunday we go for match number five. The CONCACAF Gold Cup Final is our destination. Newer fans, CONCACAF once again, our region of the world. The Gold Cup is the big giant tournament for all the national teams. Your matchup here in the final, everything on the line for Mexico and Panama. and They'll be playing this at SoFi Stadium, actually, in Inglewood, California. With the exception of Toronto, all the matches for this entire tournament have been held in the U.S. of A. Series between these two. As you would probably imagine, no matter how long you've been following the sport, it's been all Mexico, 10 wins to just two losses and a smattering of ties in there. You can catch this match on Fox at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time or for uh, Spanish-language broadcast on Univision Now. Mexico, on paper, they are the home team, and they are called El Tri for the three colors in their flag, the tri-color. They are the number one ranked team in CONCACAF, which is a little bit interesting because I think FIFA, the worldwide organization, actually might rank the U.S. a little bit higher than Mexico. They've actually been as high as number four several different times in their history, most recently 2006. Twice in all their appearances in the World Cup, they have been to the quarterfinals. Uh, Most recent time, though, was a little ways back, 1986. Nearly every year year now, they escape the group stage and then uh, fall out in the round of 16. Also, an interesting tournament. They won something called the FIFA Confederations Cup, which is now the FIFA Club World Cup back in 1999. You can basically define that yourself based on the name Club World Cup. 11 different times they have won this Gold Cup, and uh, the most recent one was 2019. The last iteration was 2021, and they lost to the United States, so runners up for them. They qualified for this year's edition. By winning their League A, Group A We'll explain what the Nations League is like sometime The CONCACAF Nations League Suffice it to say they were in one of the toughest groups And they won it They went 2-0-1 in that particular group stage Uh, They had a 7-2 goal differential Which was the best statistically in both regards They advanced to the final over number 7 ranked Jamaica handily 3-0 in the semifinal Key players to look for, they are captained by their goalkeeper, Guillermo Ochoa, 38 years old. He is currently playing for Salernitana over in Italy's Serie A, the top flight. Uh, That is not one of the better teams over there, but it's still one of the best four or five leagues in all of Europe. So that's a really good get for him. He has made nearly 150 national team appearances over his career, brings a ton of experience to the table. And because of that, he is known for being very vocal and very good at organizing his defenders and pushing them to do their absolute best on the pitch. In my opinion, there's a lot of different ways they can go, but I think the most dangerous scoring threat they have going right now is Henry Martin. That's what I want you to look for on the field. Uh, he plays forward for them and for Club de America, one of the really good Mexican Liga MX teams. He has scored nine goals in his 37 national team appearances, but more relevantly, perhaps he scored two goals in this event tied for best on his team. Team's current form, they have won two straight matches Their only loss in this event and in their last six was against guest team Qatar earlier in this tournament And now Panama, a surprise team here as they upset the USA in the semifinal They are known as the Canalman and the Red Tide I really like the second one, Canalman's a little too on the nose I think for Panama They are ranked currently number 57 in the world by FIFA And that is the highest that they have ever been ranked 2018 was the only time they ever qualify for a World Cup They didn't pick any any points there, meaning no wins, no draws, lost all three In the 2021 Gold Cup, this event, they did not get past the group stage But twice they have been runners-up before, so they'll do at least that well this time Last time was in 2013 they are ranked number five in CONCACAF currently. They qualified by also winning their group, just the same as Mexico did in the Nations League. They went 2-1-0, undefeated in this events group stage. And again, as I mentioned, they advanced on penalty kicks over the U.S. I believe it was 4-5 to five or 4-6. to six. Dramatic game. All the goals came very late. Their offense is pretty decent. Uh, They get two goals per match. They were in a high-scoring group at the group stage. They had tied for the best defense, giving up one and a third goals per match and had the number one goal differential. This team is on the rise in Central America. I think they might be overtaking both Honduras and Panama right now, which is not something I necessarily saw coming within the last couple of years. Key player to look for, second-best Player in events scoring with four is Ismael Diaz. He is from Ecuador, plays winger for them and for a pretty good club down there, Universidad de Catolica. And that is a league that's in the better half of the leagues down in South America. He brings a lot of experience as well, even though he's only, I believe, 26. He's been uh, making appearances with the national team all the way back since he was 17 years old. They are captained by Anibel Godoy, who is a defensive midfielder, 33 years old. We get a U.S. connection here. He plays for Nashville. Yes, a second mention for Nashville. Has 120 national team appearances. And then their vice captain is Eric Davis. He is another defensive player, left back. Uh, he's not attached to anybody right now. He must have just at the end of this last European season seen his contract end. He had been... Uh, for eight seasons with a Slovakian team of all places called Dunajska Strada. Team's current form, well, what can you say? They're undefeated in this event. They've got to be the underdogs as just about anybody, but maybe the U.S. would be going into the final. But Panama has been as hot as anybody in this event. We owe you no explanations. The sound of kitties or fake kitties, whatever it is. That always means that it's time for us to do a recap of last week's matches. Let's dig in. Last week, match number one was a Friday match from the WPSL. Number three, Arizona Arsenal took on number one SC Del Sol. And it was Del Sol getting the nail one win that knocked the Arsenal down to number four. Saturday, match number B from the USL Championship. Number B in the East, Pittsburgh Riverhounds took on number one from the West. Sacramento Republic, they played two a Nil-nil draw for all that travel. No change in the table for either of them. Match number three from the Solomon Islands S League, number B Honiara City played host to number one Solomon Warriors, and it was Honiara getting a 3-1 win that moved them up into the top spot, and Solomon Warriors down to number three, which is important because only the top two teams get into the Oceania Football Confederation Champions League. Match number four from the NPSL, number one Southern States FC took on number B Jacksonville. Armada 2 and wow Southern States did not treat their guests kindly they got a 5-1 win that means they win the division but both of them are the top two seeds in the division playoffs still in good shape Match number five from Cape Verde in Africa, the Campeonato all between uh, the final between Academica do Mandelo, and Palmyra. I think this was a minor upset because following in a couple of years, Palmyra, they won 1 1 in regular time and then 6 7 in high drama penalty kicks. Match number six from Argentina's Liga Profesional, number B San Lorenzo versus number one River Plate. They played through a 0 0 draw, no change in the table there. Sunday, match number seven from the CONCACAF Gold Cup quarterfinal. Between uh, the USA and Canada, and it was the USA that got uh, the win 2-2, and it took penalty kicks. That they won 3-2. A lot of great saves returned. Monday match number eight. The Liga MX Femenil, Campeon de Campeones, the overall year's championship. Second leg of the home and away, two-legged tie. UNAL Tigres, they won the first leg 3-0, and then they went on to win the second one 1-0. So congratulations to the champions. Tuesday, match number nine from the UEFA's Champions League, first qualifying round. First leg of the home and away, two-legged tie between Shamrock Rovers and Bredeblik. Bredeblik got the 0-1 win. Guy we said to look for their assist man, Hoskholder Goodman. Son, he had yet another assist. Wednesday, match number 10 from Major League Soccer, our feature match number three in the West LAFC, took on number one in the West, St. Louis City, LAFC. Wow, what a beating, 3-0. Carlos Vela, their veteran, he had a goal, and uh, it was LAFC moving up to second place, St. Louis City still holding on to the top spot. And now your bonus matches with explanations coming later. Uh, the route of the week Saturday from League One Ontario. Number 21 last place, Unionville Milliken versus number one, Scorsapi FC. And Scorsapi got a 4-0 win. Now, your most meaningless match in the world. A Wednesday match you voted in from the Premier League in Singapore. Number 5, Lang International versus number 6, Hal Gang United. And it was Hal Gang getting the upset 0-2. No change of the table there though, still as meaningless as they once were. Galen got a red card at the very end of the first half that enabled, uh, who cares, it was the most meaningless match in the world. And finally, your match of disappointment a Saturday match from Taiwan's Premier League. Number 7, Mingchuan University, taking on number 8 last place. Taipei, Diva, Dragons, and the Dragons are in last place by a lot, and they got whooped again. 3-0, no change in the table there. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back two talking about the upcoming week's matches with match number six after all that weekend tracking new bites if i may lovingly refer to you as such you get monday off well earned we're back into our tracking tuesday match number six second half of the main part of the podcast we're headed to europe for the uefa champions league first qualifying round leg two second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. For newer fans, let me unpack a little bit of that for you. UEFA equals Europe. That's their confederation. Champions League, you're probably familiar, but that's where all the best teams from all around Europe get to go from their various leagues. Every country gets to send one that's participating. First qualifying round, you've got to get through, depending on how you want to look at it, three or four of those to get to the group stage or what Europeans would call the event proper. So in this part is where we get a lot of the smaller countries here in the qualifying rounds. First qualifying round It sort of is but sort of isn't There was a preliminary round With four teams And they all had to play a little bracket To determine a tournament To decide which one of those four Would move into this The actual first qualifying round Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie Each pair of teams play a home Game and an away game You combine the scores and whoever ends up on top Overall gets to move on All right your matchup, Blick out of Iceland. They were the ones that won the preliminary round, and so we have been on the Blick bandwagon, hence the reason we also covered them last week when they played the first leg in Ireland and won 0 nil-one versus Shamrock Rovers. So we're really excited that uh, Blick have the advantage and that we might get to stay on their bandwagon and keep talking about them potentially into the second qualifying round. But that's all we're going to say about them for right now. Because we talked about them last week, this is a perfect opportunity for us to take a little break from the footy and let my daughter take over with her awesome segment. Aminals, Aminals, Aminals from, from around, around the world. Oh, yeah. All right. It is a time for us to take a break from soccer and for person Noob to take over and talk about one of her favorite subjects, cute, adorable, endangered, Aminals. Yikes. This particular animal that you picked, tell the fine folks what it is. The
0: basking shark.
1: Ooh, that sounds interesting, and it, it resides near Iceland. Okay, and what is the status of this shark?
0: Um. Uh. Oh, well, they're endangered.
1: Yeah. In our notes, it says the IUCN. I can't remember except that it's international something conversation <laughs> conversation conservation something. And um, is this found exclusively near Iceland? No. No? Where is it found?
0: Uh, oh, it was found everywhere in temperate oceans world over.
1: So not too hot and not too cold. In fact, some of my own separate notes that I did indicate that Iceland is probably about as far north as you will ever find the shark. So it is not, uh, quote-unquote, endemic to this area, but they are found there, and that makes it eligible for this match. And does it go by any other names anywhere else in the world?
0: Uh... Oh, uh, oh on well, Orkney, it's called the Hoe Mother, which translates to the mother of the pickled dogfish.
1: Sounds like I made that up, didn't I? Yes. Did I make up the pickled dogfish part, the fact that it's called a Hoe Mother, or the fact that there's a place called Orkney?
0: Probably. All of them.
1: None of them. Orkney, the Orkney Islands, are uh, basically kind of between, like, uh, the United Kingdom and Iceland. They're out there sort of by the Faroe Islands in the North Atlantic, and it does indeed translate. I assume in the, well some sort of northern you know language to ho mother. Uh, they shorten it to uh, Homer when they say it really really quickly. And in fact, a pickled dogfish is a type of fish. Sort of looks like a ray, and it really does like it could be um, related to a real fish. That is, I don't know why they call it a pickled dogfish, but that's real too. Can you believe it? Yeah. Normally, I just make stuff up. Not that I made up earlier in the podcast when we were talking about ben Gosolo. Oh, I just got to look. Yeah, all right. I've been busted. But nope, this is all real. All right, what else can you tell us about the shark, some of the physical nature of it?
0: Uh, well, it's the second biggest shark, uh, and it's typically 25 feet and 4.5 tons.
1: And it tries to eat all the people, doesn't it?
0: Nope. It eats plankton, not humans.
1: Yep, you're right. In fact, it's got a giant mouth, and it swims- all the time with that mouth open. So it is constantly taking in, you know, microscopic little pieces of plankton. Can you imagine like pieces of plankton you can barely see, and yet it feeds the second largest shark. It eats tons and tons and tons of those. Got a giant mouth, maybe even bigger than the one you're sticking that uh, chicken McNugget into. Today's episode and this segment is brought to you by
0: The 40-piece Chicken McNuggets.
1: Yes, they're not really giving us any money, but person is stuffing her face with one right now, and that's awesome. All right, what else can you tell us about the history of this animal and people together? Hmm. Sorry, take your time. I know you got a mouthful of shark nugget there.
0: Yum. What (laughs) if they
1: made it out of basking shark? No.
0: It's a
1: basking basking shark chicken nugget. Well, I don't know why I put chicken in there. Maybe we fed it a chicken. Maybe we fed a shark to the chicken.
0: Maybe we fed a chicken to the shark.
1: Tell us more about the fish.
0: Okay. A uh, little <laughs> uh, 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 com- uh, commercially uh, important fish as a source of food, shark fin, animal feed, and shark liver oil. Uh, uh, and well, now it's mostly hunted for shark fin.
1: Yeah, because soup. people make what out of it?
0: super super And soup. it is
1: not particularly legal in most or every place. Tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Uh, uh, well, it's protected in many areas of the world. Uh, largely by making it legal to trade in product from these sharks.
1: Well, that's a pretty good idea. So they can't protect the sharks easily from being caught. But what they can do is make it illegal to sell stuff that's made out of the shark. And apparently they can tell. You have any other cool facts about it?
0: Oh uh, well, it can jump entirely out of the water.
1: Wait a minute—the second biggest shark in the world, twenty-five feet, and the whole shark gets out of the water. Yep. Holy smokes! Why does it do that?
0: Uh well, that's uh, well, that's usually to, to loosen barnacles. Uh, occasionally, to show off their other size, to their size to other species.
1: Do but they have a problem with a lot of other species hunting them since they're the second biggest shark?
0: Um. Uh, no.
1: No, but they still do that anyway. Maybe they're just show offs. Like, look how big I am, and yet look what I can still do. It's like a basketball player dunking a basketball. They think they're showing off, but it's like, you know what? You're really, really big and strong and tall. Of course you can do that. It would be more impressive if I could do that. Of course I can't do that because I'm old and only five foot six. Can you dunk a basketball?
0: Um uh no no but I can throw one into a hoop really. Could a well. shark
1: dunk a basketball since it's getting all the way out of the water and twenty five feet long?
0: Um, uh, if the if the hoop was sticking out of water, then yeah, it could just go wheep.
1: That's the scientific answer. It, it we go weep, but it doesn't have hands. It doesn't have a pose. Maybe it would have it in its giant mouth, and it would just spit the ball. Ew. This is a very strange road that we've traveled down, isn't it? No. Got anything else about the shark? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, thank you very much for introducing us yet to yet another very cool, but unfortunately endangered animal from somewhere in the world. And this has been...
0: Animals Animals from Around around the World. world. Yeah. Match number seven.
1: We're going to give Wednesday a jump. Our last four main matches of the ten. Are all Thursday matches very unusual for us? And we finally get one on the women's side of things. The Women's World Cup starts on Thursday and they start right up in a group stage. This is being hosted by, uh, it's being co hosted really by Australia and New Zealand. There's a bunch of sites in both countries. For this tournament, 32 teams have qualified. They've been divided into groups of four. They will play a single round robin and The top two will get to advance on to the knockout stage from each. There are three matches going on on Thursday. The one we're going to pick is not the one that involves Australia or New Zealand. We'll get to the hosts later on. They're pretty good. We're going to take a look at Nigeria versus Canada. Series between these two, well, they played once before, at least in the moderately uh, recent past, and Nigeria won it. Can they repeat? Nigeria, they are known not merely as the Falcons. Oh, no. The Super Falcons, although they probably wouldn't say with a long O like that. I just like doing that. I love, love, love their crest. It is the first crest I have ever seen. So many of them, whether it's for club or national teams, feature an eagle or some other big you know, bird of prey. You know, with its wings as if it's spreading flight and its talons are clutching a soccer ball. And it always looks to me like, since there's nothing in the background to indicate the ball is on the ground, that the damn bird has stolen the ball and is flying away with it. In this particular one, they have drawn it as such so that it looks like it is simply perched on the ball as opposed to stealing it. Thank you so much, Women's National Team of Nigeria. They've actually, not for that, but for other reasons, been in the news a lot in recent years, including this year. Uh, what they see as poor facilities, poor treatment, back pay. They've had to do a lot of very serious protesting sit-ins and whatnot over the last several years, including at least once this calendar year. Apparently, they have everything in order, though, because they are participating. FIFA ranks them as the number 40 team in the world, and they are the highest ranked of the four teams entering from the CAF. That is the African Confederation for Football. They're easily the best in Africa, in fact. They have won the national team tournament over there, the AFCON, 11 times. most recent one was 2018, and they have qualified for every single World Cup since 1999. And that year they made the quarterfinals Which, oddly enough, is actually the best they've ever done 2019, they got close They made the round of 16 last World Cup Got a couple of USA connections with this team uh, Michelle Lozzi, she is a defender for the Houston Dash Actually, U.S. born One or more of her parents, I believe, is Nigerian uh, she, played, uh, she started her university career with Yale And then uh, moved on to Tennessee after COVID Another USA connection, Ifeoma Onumonu, she is a forward for New York, New Jersey, Gotham Yes, that's all one team In the NWSL, once again the top flight here in the U.S. Doesn't start for them, but she's a pretty active reserve She is also U.S. born, played her college ball at University of California They've also got players who are, uh, like with uh, Florida State, still in college And second tier, Louisville City And their coach, we have a USA connection. He is Randy Waldrum. He also is the head coach at the University of Pittsburgh. So that's quite a pairing on the old resume. Team's current form in 2023, they are 3-2-0 with a six versus three goal differential. They have won three straight matches, including two friendlies and their last match in a tournament, uh, more of a glorified exhibition that took place in Mexico called the Revelations Cup. And now, Canada. Uh, FIFA ranks them number seven worldwide. They are the second best of the six teams that qualified from CONCACAF. USA is ranked number one and are your, if not heavy, are your moderate favorites to win the whole thing. Canada, they were drawn from pot two, but they are actually more highly ranked than the team that was inserted into pot one, Australia. They divide all the teams into pots, banked on ranking top four, next four, and so on. But the host countries, Australia and New Zealand, automatically get put in pot one. So this is a real boon for Canada getting put into a grouping that doesn't have a true like, top four team in the world. Uh, Canada, they have qualified for every World Cup since 1995. Their best finish was fourth place. That was in 2003. Last edition, 2019, they, like Nigeria, made the round of 16. And while I normally don't follow the Olympics for men's or women's soccer, it is worth noting that they won the gold at the 2020 Olympics. They have won the CONCACAF Women's Championship twice, most recently 2010, though. They've been runner-ups to the U.S. in the last couple of editions. Uh, key players to look for and be aware of, uh, Canadian women's soccer, you have to know the name, Christine Sinclair, 40 years old, forward, Still playing top fly ball. She plays for Portland here in the United States. She has the most international goals of any player, man or woman in the entire world and history of the sport, 190 of them in 323 appearances. How how does she have any cartilage left in her knees? I have no idea. And she is one of only three players to have scored in five different World Cups. Since they only have that once every four years, that's really something. Equaled only by uh, the female superstar Marta, and Cristiano Ronaldo This year in league play She's still getting it done Three goals, one assist On the other end of things Defensively, Kaylin Sheridan She is a real up-and-comer 27 years old, approaching her prime She plays goalkeeper for San Diego Wave of the NWSL And she was the goalkeeper of the year last year And she won the Golden Glove At the CONCACAF Women's Championships I don't know if that's save percentage Or fewest goals allowed Either way, very impressive Team's current form, they're only 0-1-3 in 2023. They haven't won any matches. Uh, That included one friendly and then three matches in a tournament, an exhibition tournament here in the U.S. called the She Believes Cup. I say it that fast because they don't put a space between She and "believe," so I have to assume I'm right there. In that tournament, they only had a 3-7 goal differential, but in their defense, they were playing against the best team from South America in Brazil, the United States, and France. Match number eight. And we're headed back to South America once again for a tournament called the Copa Sudamericana, where they have reached the round of 32, and the teams are getting ready to play. The second legs of the home and away, two-legged ties. We'll unpack this just a little bit. Conomo once again, the South American Confederation for the 10 big countries. The Copa Sudamericana, that is the secondary international club tournament On the continent. You might remember that I mentioned the Copa Libertadores earlier, South America's version of the Champions League. And this is the second best one. These are mostly teams that finish somewhere between third and seventh place in their leagues. They just completed the group stage where the winners of each of the groups of four were automatically entered into the round of 16. So, what we're in right now, this round of 32, quote unquote, is really a playoff round. To join them uh, Who made the playoff round Well the second best finishers in all of those groups Plus a bunch of teams that lost Fairly early in the Copa Libertadores That's a thing Where if you're in the top tournament And you lose early enough on You get to drop down to the secondary tournament To continue your international play Imagine if they did that with uh, college basketball In the U.S. If you lose early on Say you're number 16 seed And don't have much of a chance Imagine getting to drop down to the NIT Cool idea in any case, we're headed back to Chile once again. The matchup that looked the most intriguing, Audex Italiano versus New which even though that's new instead of New sorry, Guachapato, but New are still the number one Chilean teams in our hearts. There are only a handful of countries that have noob or anything close to it in their names. They are for us, and we are for them. That's deep. The reason that we picked this match to focus on is because Audax Italiano is one of the lowest-rated teams in South America that's still alive. They're ranked number 153. Uh, the winner of these uh, home-and-away home two-legged tie will get to face LDU Quito in the round of 16. The first leg, uh, that got played at New Blense and it, they only managed a nil-nil draw. So it's advantage Audax Italiano. But, ooh. You hear that? That's me. I've got a rumbly-tumbly. Always seems like around match number eight or nine, I get too hungry. So you know what? Let's take a pause from the footy and take a culture break, which usually, I mean, it could mean art or architecture or folklore or religion, but it usually means food. And we're going to talk about Chilean sopapillas, or sopapillas, I should say, rather. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with these, but they make them in different ways in different parts of South and Latin America. Uh, Soapapillas in Chile, like anywhere else, it's a fried pastry or a quick bread. But the ones that you'll find at least in central and northern Chile, they include uh, ground pumpkin in the dough. It's completely different in the south. They have their own very different traditions down there. Now, if this is served as a pastry, if you will, it will traditionally be served with a sauce called a pebre, which is chili pepper, my favorite, onion, garlic, and coriander. Now if it's served more as a bread, uh, then it's going to be pre-boiled in something called chancaca sauce, which is very sweet. It's uh, It's a whole cane sugar, orange peel, and cinnamon. And then even though that would be very, very sweet, and I find this strange, but I'll try anything once, they will add cheese or hot butter, not too bad, avocado, okay. Or mustard or ketchup. Usually not a combination, just one of those five things. It's very much considered a culture, a uh, uh, comfort food rather, it gets eaten on rainy days down there. So I can't wait to have a chance to make a both of these and try them out and see which one I like better. I hope you'll think about it too.
0: Match number nine.
1: For my money, this is the most interesting match going on in the entire world. We're headed back to Europe for a match from the Europa Conference League. First qualifying round, second leg in the home and away, two-legged ties. If you're not familiar, the Europa Conference League is a tournament that is considered the third best one of all the international club tournaments in Europe. They have, of course, their Champions League. The secondary one, for which there were no matches this week, is the Europa League. This tournament, the Conference League, is only, I believe, three or four years old is all. It's mostly for second and third place teams from very, very small European countries. Some of the medium-sized ones will send teams. Actually, everybody does. But the bigger and stronger the country in Europe, the fewer teams they send and the lower in the table they tend to be. Like I believe England at one point was sending their seventh place team out of the Premier League standings. Just to give you an idea of the landscape here. Your matchup, out of Belarus, Niemann-Grodno versus, from Liechtenstein, Vaduz. Uh, The first leg went the way of the visiting side. Niemann-Grodno went to Vaduz and won 1-2, so advantage them. All right, the Fighting Grodnos. No, that's not really their nickname. They are from the city of Grodno in Belarus, which is in the far west part of the country. So far, in fact, that... It might as well be Polish, huge Polish population, very Catholic because of that city of a little under 350,000. Neiman, that part of the name, by the way, is for a major river that flows through the area. The crest was really interesting to me, but it had a in part because, well, first of all, the Leaping Stag, very, very lovely, but it's got a long, small cross stuck out of the back of its head at a very strange angle. And I don't know if this is supposed to be a Catholic or a Christian thing, or uh, I guess far less likely, but it looks like somebody stuck a tiny little sword into the thing's head. I couldn't quite tell what that was about. Uh, This team should have been the underdog on paper Even though it's advantaged them now Only seven clubs in this event Have a ranking lower in all of Europe Uh, The Belarusian Premier Division, by the way Is ranked number 50 out of the 55 leagues So their winner got to go to the Champions League The next two made it to this event Sort of And here's the sort of and why it's so interesting Neiman Grodno finished in ninth place Out of like the... Uh, 12 or 14 teams or something that are in this league. How on earth do they get in? I'll tell you. The top two teams got banned from international play because of match placing. So the number three team from last year's league, they got to go to the Champions League. The number four team also went to the Europa Conference League. The number five team, ISLOC, were also banned from Europe for match fixing. The number six and seven teams didn't even apply for UEFA competition licensing. Once again, they probably just don't have the stadium that was going to meet standards. At least that's my guess. And the number eight team, is also in this event, but they won a different tournament called uh, the Belarusian FA Cup. That's how they qualified. So, the second Europa Conference League berth in Belarus slid all the way down to the number nine slot, a team not even playing 500 ball. And yet, perhaps it was a harbinger of things to come because this year's season is well underway in league and they are number one and would be even if those teams uh, that were very, very naughty about the match fixing weren't Docked uh, like a couple dozen points in the table apiece going into this year. They started in the negative. Take those penalties away. Neiman Grodno are still number one. The only time in the modern era, basically 2000 on that they've been to in a European international competition was in 2015. They went to the Europa League, started in the second qualifying round and lost year, lost there. This year, they've got a top three offense. Uh, The number one defense is really where it's getting going. They only give up a goal every other match on average. That's tied for best. Second best overall goal differential. I expect this team to be in international competition of some kind again next year. Tied for number three in league scoring with nine is Pavel Savlitsky. He's got over two dozen national team appearances as well. So he's a guy with a lot of experience. Team's current form. They've suffered only one loss in their last 15 matches, and that wasn't uh, a terrible one. it was at home. But to the usual power from this league, B-A-T-E, Borisov, and they only lost 0-1. And now Vaduz, they are very interesting in their own right, but for a very different reason. Uh, first of all, just to give you the lay of the land, they are ranked number 160 of all the clubs in Europe, and I was surprised that they were that high. Must be something lost in the translation. Their nickname is The Resident. All right. Uh, Last year, they made the Europa Conference League group stage, and they were the first team from Liechtenstein to ever get to a group stage of any international tournament. So, congratulations to them on that. They are the two time um, defending FA Cup champions, and that's important because Liechtenstein. Uh, Their seven teams don't make up a league of their own. They actually play in various leagues over in the Swiss soccer pyramid. Vaduz has played in the top league before, but they are right now where they usually are in the second tier. And they are not eligible to qualify for a European competition internationally Through the Swiss system They have to win their nation's knockout Bracketed tournament, the FA Cup Which uh, this team has won a bazillion Times, including this last year They're the two-time defending champions They've won it 49 times And that is a world record Last year, they played in the second tier in Switzerland, the Challenge League, and finished in just eighth place. Uh, their stats pretty much below that. Top seven offense, top six defense, a little bit below average overall. Key player to look for from them is top 10 scorer Tunahan Shishek from Switzerland. Uh, he's actually, I believe, originally from Turkey, but represents Switzerland and plays forward for them. And match number 10, we're done.
0: Finally!
1: Oh, such impatience, dear child. Fear not. We're going to get to our bonus matches right after match number 10, our last Thursday match from Macau's FA Cup. Yes, we're headed back to Asia again. The FA Cup, as I mentioned before, in any country is a knockout tournament. In the calendar, it is played right alongside the league seasons. And in most countries, Teams from lots of different levels of play get to participate. That is not the case in the very small state of Macau. Only their nine top flight teams get to participate. Now, likely the winners will be going to the AFC Cup that I mentioned before. The 2023-24 edition that's upcoming will have last year's league and FA Cup champions. I'm not sure why they didn't separate that out into two bursts. And in the 2024-25 listing, I'm not seeing a waiting slot for them, but it should be appearing there. All right, that all said. Uh, Macau's top flight, the Primeira Divisal, is ranked number 34 out of the 47 leagues in Asia, so a little bit below average. And uh, all nine teams, as I mentioned, played from the top flight. And the group stage, they broke up into groups of five and four, and the top two from each got to advance. Your final is between Benfica and Monte Carlo. Now, this is a really critical match for those two because CPK, a different club, they have all but wrapped up mathematically the league title. So this is definitely the only shot that either of these two teams is likely to have to get to the AFC Cup. The last time that they met in the regular season, Monte Carlo got a convincing win, uh, 3-0. Actually, it wasn't league play. That was in the group stage in this event. All right, let's talk about Benfica first, or we could refer to them by their more full name, translated as House of Sport Lisboa e Benfica in Macau. Uh, they are also called House number two thirty two for portugal's Benfica Club now i can't really think that there are two hundred thirty two other teams that are actually playing that are a part of this, but i'll explain uh Benfica is one of the big three clubs in the nation of Portugal Macau, of course, was essentially a colony of theirs, and so there's still a big connection hence. You'll actually find a lot of the different names of the teams there all are in Portuguese or seem to have Portuguese references or connections. So this team is directly affiliated to that club. They have made the AFC Cup three different times between 2016 and 18. Only time they made the group stage, though, was the last time. Currently in league play, give you an idea of how they're doing, they're in third place. Uh, Benfica didn't even win their group in this event. They finished in second place in their four-team group. They were a distant second in offensive capabilities to Monte Carlo that won the same group. Uh, They were getting three goals per match, which doesn't sound too bad. So just how good is Monte Carlo? We'll find out. And they had the second-best defense giving up one goal per match. Benfica advanced to the final over undefeated number one league-side CPK that I mentioned earlier, beat them 0-1. So a very impressive scalp for them there. Teams current form they've won their last two. they were both road matches and did it with a five and one goal differential and Now, your favorites, the Canaries they have won the league title four different times, last time though it's been a decade, two thousand thirteen. I'm not seeing a record of any FA Cup or other AFC competitions for them, so I don't think that they've been currently. they sit in second place in their league table as I mentioned, they won their group O and how for this event. 19 goals for and just one goal against. I told you they were the favorites. They advanced over uh, fourth-place league team Cheng Feng on penalty kicks after holding them to only a nil-nil draw in regular time. Team's current form, they have won eight straight with a nearly unbelievable 38-against-two goal differential. Does that tell you where to put your money? Bring forth the bonus matches! Thank you very much to everybody who votes on our Twitter polls to help us determine what teams are going to be in these matches. You can always look for those under my handle, Soccer Noob USA, usually on Mondays or Tuesdays, every single week. These are unique. The first one is a first versus last place match from somewhere in the world that my daughter dramatically calls the... Route,
0: route, route, route. Of, 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 of. The week, week. Week
1: week. And actually this is a repeat match from just I believe three weeks ago. They played for the first time in their season. Now the season is nearly done and they are playing again. But this time the favorites are also playing at home. That does not bode well for a route of the week match. Where mm-hmm. it's a Wednesday match, we're headed to Egypt's Premier League, which is the second best ranked league in all of Africa. Their top two teams, by the way, get to go to their version of the Champions League. The second two go to a secondary tournament called the Confederation Cup. Equally relevant on the other end of things, three of the 18 teams will get relegated, and this is the last match of the season. So it is all over, but the celebrating and crying, respectively, for number one, Al Ailey, Versus number 18, last place, Haras El-Hadoud. And it is always our goal with this match not to poke fun at the last place team. They're already going to have a tough enough uh, time as it is, especially in this particular case. We're always looking for a reason to root for them. See, what do we think could possibly happen or see to make us think that this team could win? Now, give you a look at the table first. All A lead, they lead number B pyramids by nine. So they have mathematically wrapped up their Champions League slot. Ooh, and that might be the only thing that we see that could be in Haras El-Hodud's favor. Maybe, just maybe, they'll be playing their reserves, trying out some young players. That would be about the only hope. Uh, Haras El-Hodud, they might have an easier time next year with their second division because they are 12 points behind number 15, Aswan FC. That's the uh, worst team that is out of the relegation zone, They, uh, the relegation zone being kicked down into the next division. All Ailey won when they played three weeks ago, nil 3 I don't see this one going any better for Horas al-Hadoud. Uh, somehow, Hadoud have won a couple of different times, but that's out of 14 games. All Ailey have won all the other ones. We'll talk about them first as hosts. They are known as the Red Devils or the Red Giant. For those who are unfamiliar, uh, a body called the IFFHS in soccer named them the African Club of the 20th century. After all, they have won. 43 league titles. They're your defending champions. They've even won the champions league double digit times 11 to be precise. They're your defending champions for that as well. And have won two of the last three. They are behemoths. They are undefeated in the premier league this year. Usually it's a three team race. It seems like not so this year. They've got the number one offense in the league. It's plenty good, but the defense, my goodness, best I've ever seen in a major league They've given up only seven goals in 29 matches. Yes, less than one out of every four. They've got the best goal differential in the league, as you might imagine, by better than a factor at 50%. Let's talk about some of their key players, making it even more intimidating for Haras El Uh The league MVP in waiting is Ali Malul. He is their Tunisian veteran left back who really isn't a a true left-back. He plays wing-back. He is up a lot because he is number three in the league in goals plus assists with 14. They've got another very good scorer complementing him as well. Top five in the league with 10 is Egyptian Mohamed Sharif. He is their striker. Another great player. Number one in accurate passes per game, Marwan Atia, he is their midfielder. He's also second best in long balls. I kind of expected to see some European transfer rumors with him because he's pretty young, but couldn't come across anything to my surprise. And then on the defensive side, number one in save percentage and by a lot, I believe something like 86%. Ridiculous, Mohamed El-Shanawi And he's been honing his craft a long time 34 years old Years and years ago, about a decade He actually played a year for Haras el Hadoud While he was cutting his teeth Team's current form <laughs> They're on a 22-match Unbeaten streak across all competitions Including The Champions League All right, let's see if they've wet themselves. Haras El Hadoud, they are based out of Alexandria, whereas all Ailey are out of Cairo, by the way. And their name translates directly to Border Guard Club. So you can imagine if we had uh, some of those guys down in Texas and Arizona get together and form a club and be good enough to be an MLS, that'd be wild. They've never made a Champions League appearance. Uh, Between 2006 and 2011, though, they did manage to get to the Confederation Cup five times and qualified for the group stage three different times. Last year, they were in the second division, so they'll be going right back down. Uh, They got promoted. They've got the worst offense by a mile. They're barely getting over a goal every other match on average. Uh, The defense... It's not one of the very worst in the league, but it's not much better than that either. And because of that bad offense, they've got the worst goal differential. They are where they belong. The best player they've probably got going is Ibrahim El-Kadi. He is a defender, 33 years old, uh, a good dribbler, although he doesn't do it nearly enough. Loads of clearances and a pretty good tackler. Team's current form, 0-2-2 In their last four And uh, sadly, when we had them on In episode 140 in a match They were on a 2-1-0 and 0 run Between League and FA Cup play Back when they were still alive In the FA Cup They just dropped out of that as well Could you be The most meaningless, meaningless match In the world Yes you could, could. You're so boring <laughs> Meaningless though these teams may be We celebrate them in song and discuss them Because probably no other show in the world will The most meaningless match that you voted for we're headed back to Macau, the Primera Divisal, where there's only two or three matches left, depending on the club, left in the regular season. The winner, as I mentioned before, should get to go to the AFC Cup. One of these teams is going to get relegated. These two teams don't have to worry about glory or ridicule because they are smack dab in the middle. Number five, Takchun ka just known as Kai these days, versus number six, Lun Lok. Uh Ka'ai, they currently lead Lunluck by three in the table, although Lunluck have a match in hand against them. Last team they played, it was entertaining. Lunluck only managed to draw, but hey, it was 4-4. Probably was fun to watch. Uh, Give you an idea of where they are in the table in another measure uh kae they currently trail number 1 undefeated cpk by 27 points it's a little bit more meaningful for moonlock there's still a chance they could drop down to last even relatively low as it is they lead number 9 last place toy sang by just four points here's an interesting little fun fact just cuz i've never seen it this late in anybody's league season before every single team has exactly one draw or tie yeah doesn't really mean much. It was just kind of cool. All right, let's talk about Kai first. The full name of the club or names that they have had previously are uh, Asocial Desportiva Kai or Windsor Arch Kai. Now it's become more shortened, thankfully. They're from an area called Taipa, which used to be an island all by itself. Uh, Actually, it was two islands in a way, but uh, because of land uh, reclamation from the ocean, uh, the two islands have now become one. And then after that, they added a bunch of land between them and another island on which to build convention centers and casinos and lots of other uh, glitzy things. And so now it is no longer an island unto itself. They've got about 70,000 people there, and they are, by the way, connected to Peninsular Macaw by Bridge. The club was founded in 1985. They didn't make it to the top flight, though, until 2009. Three different times they won the titles. Their Halcyon days were between 2010 and 2012. They didn't get to go to any AFC tournaments, though, because the country simply wasn't sending anybody back then. Last year, they finished in fifth place. This year, yeah, average, their stats are perfectly average. Uh, it's strange what qualifies for average in this league for defense. They give up three and a third goals per match. Wow. Uh, there's a big gap, as uh, you're probably starting to figure out, between the top four and the rest of the league. Teams current form, they have lost three straight with a 1 in 15 goal differential. Yes, twice they played two of the top four teams, but one of those was a loss to last place, Toy Sang. Not great. Loon Lock, they were also founded in 1985 and finished in sixth place last year. I just about couldn't find anything else out from my usual sources about them, though. What I can tell you is that uh, the defense is. Eh, Okay, but their offense is the worst in the league. They only get three quarters of a goal per match on average. Teams current form, they're not doing any better than Kai E R. They're only winning their last thirteen matches. Was three matches ago when they squeaked out against Toy Sang. Last week, two teams from the third tier League One Ontario ended up in our route of the week. This year, we revisit that league. This time for the match of disappointment. Yes, welcome to the Fresh Hellscape. A little reminder, in case you didn't catch last week's, uh, this is League One Ontario. It is a third-tier semi-professional league. We're going to look at their bottom two teams, if you couldn't guess that, from the name of the match. They are part of an overall organization called League One Canada, which is all Tier 3. They also have leagues in uh, Quebec and British Columbia. This particular league is so big, League One Ontario specifically, that next year they're dividing it into three divisions and they're going to have promotion and relegation, interestingly. In this league, the top six teams out of the 21 will qualify for the league playoffs. The top two will get bys to the semifinals. The league's champion will qualify for the FA Cup there called the Canadian Championship. Also on the line is what division you're going to be in next year. The top 12 finishers, will get to play in the Division I next year for League One Ontario. The rest will all be in Division II. I guess they're getting new teams for Division III. Uh, these two teams are so bad, I'm sure they're going to wish they could play in Division Three. The season's about two-thirds done. There's not a ton of hope left for. Number 21, last place, Union Millican. Yeah, we visited them last week with the Route of the Week. what? And then number 20, BVBIA Waterloo. That's a lot of alphabet soup. Uh, currently BVB lead Unionville Milliken By two in the table We will revisit last place Union Milliken first They are known as the Strikers Club was founded in 1976 Although they, it was mostly a youth club They didn't add men semi-pro until
2: 2018
1: uh, The cities. That the club is named after both of them are roughly 20 miles uh, northeast of downtown Ontario. Uh, It's a suburban area to a place called Markham. Very touristy area, if you like old, well-preserved buildings. If you ever saw the show Gilmore Girls, they did a lot of establishment shots for their town of, uh, I believe, Stars Hollow. Not that I ever watched the show. That I'm going to tell you about. (laughs) <laughs> last year, they finished in second to last place, so good on them for finding a way to be even more putrid. They are the only winless club in the league, and in fact, they've only managed one draw. Now, they did sort of get a win over number 13, Windsor City, but they did it earlier this season when they were fielding an ineligible player, so that got overturned. Uh, their offensive defense, second worst in the league. Just, it's hard to look at a team like this and wonder if they're even trying. They're giving up three goals per match, Wow. Team's current form, well, I mean, it's been all losses except for that draw. and That draw was against number 10, Sigma, and that was maybe, oh, about three months ago. And now the interestingly named and crested BVBIA Waterloo. The BVB refers to, refers to top-flight Bundesliga team from Germany, Borussia Dortmund, the IA is International Academy and Waterloo is the town from which they hail. Uh, They have that Borussia Dortmund circle as part of their crest because as of last year, they are officially partnered with them, Uh, which at this point, seeing how bad they are, I got to believe my German is not very good, but uh, the Borussia Dortmund folks in Germany have got to be saying, uh, was haben wir uns dabei gedacht? What were we thinking? This team is grotesquely bad. Um, the town of Waterloo, by the way, is about 125,000 people, 60 miles southwest of Toronto. Uh, didn't really used to be much of anything, but ever since they established a big university there, it attracted a lot of businesses, especially on the tech side. So now it's a very well-to-do city. Last year, they did a little bit better, finishing in 15th. Uh, this year, the offense is pretty horrible, but the defense is the worst by miles. Four and three quarters goals given up per match. They are losing. Their average result is a loss by exactly four goals. They've got the worst goal differential by over 50%. How they're not in last place is a bit beyond me. Team's current form, no surprise here. They have lost 11 straight. And rather than wish them well, good luck, and good fortune, as is our tradition, we will shoo them away in our typical fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was Come away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that is all she wrote, whoever she would be. This has been episode 144 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations remain on fire as always. To my daughter, Persa thank you so much. I still love that you love doing this with me. Appreciate all your help. And thank you to you for finding the show, listening to it, making it through. We hope if you liked it, you'll join us again, and that you'll maybe even consider passing our name along to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.